Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. On today's Tennis Weekly Meets, we chat with award-winning comedy writer, producer and performer Fergus Woods Dunlop about his latest tennis-themed production, Crimes on Centre Court. Today on Tennis Weekly Meets, we are excited to step out of the world of tennis and into the world of tennis theatre, as I am joined by Fergus Woods Dunlop from the New Old Friends Theatre Company to talk about their latest production, Crimes on Centre Court. Fergus, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this evening. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Cheers, Joel. Thanks ever so much for having us. Uh, Exciting times. Yeah, I know. It's, it's very, very hot. We were talking about before the podcast. I'm in my room. It is really, really hot. I'm in like the attic. It's summer. And I've been looking forward to this because we've, we've been talking a while. We've been chatting a while. I've been listening to some of the episodes on the podcast. So I've been really, really, really looking forward to this. Oh, thank you so much. Likewise, it's, uh, yeah, it's not every day we get to speak to, uh, to sports journalists. And I say we because uh, I run the company with my wife, Heather, who is just stepping into the room as we speak. Uh, so uh, yeah, she's she's a little half, but yeah, we're in um, we're down in Somerset, and it's slightly more temperate here. So there's a bit, there's a little bit less sweat, but okay. only marginally. I feel like your voice is so smooth and chilled and relaxed, and I'm here just like very very excited, and with like complete contrast going on. Hey, st- styles make fights, right? It's like uh, Nadal versus Federer. That's my first tennis attempt. Uh, <laughs> early doors. So, um, I mean, let's get straight into it because, uh, as you said, you and Heather run the theatre company New Old Friends. You've got a new tennis-themed production coming out called Crimes on Centre Court, which we'll get into. But can you just give us a background of uh, your role in, in theatre and in comedy and how you've got to this point where you have thought, ah, oh, yes, I'm going to make a theatre production based around tennis? Yeah, I'll let H uh, grab that one. So, Heather, do you want to talk about? Uh, Hello, sorry, I've just I've just joined um uh, just joined the party here. <laughs> <laughs> nice to uh, nice to uh, speak to you. Um, thank you for having us as well. Um, I mean, we we basically so it all started off as a podcast, uh, which. Um, they it originated the, the very first podcast uh, during a, a lockdown. One of the many lockdowns, we were just mm. wanting to basically kind of um, keep keep creative, I think, and for, just to kind of keep ourselves sane, really, but wanting mm. to sort of still do something and provide something for our audiences. And I mean, you said keep ourselves sane, which implies we started off. <laughs> on, a, on a level fit playing field <laughs> true that's very true um and um what fergus had done during the first lockdown in march um was he turned one of our f- first christmas shows into a novel and then that december he just came up with the idea and said 
I think maybe we should make um, this into a an advent calendar, a daily advent calendar, Christmas advent calendar in December from the 1st to the 24th. And every day we'll release a chapter. And that kind of, through that was our first ever podcast that we decided to then name Comedy Whodunits mm. for Your Ears. Which is still available. I know you've got a big international listenership and they if they won't be able to come and see the show, poor fools, unless they were, of course, hop on a flight and it is worth it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. they, they can check out the podcast. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's just available on sort of whichever listening platform you, you listen on. And then basically we just kind of got a bit of a bug for it so then came the second story uh, which we kind of came up with was um one sort of based around gardening because both of us had been spending a lot of time <laughs> in our do. garden and we thought we've not kind of done one in the garden like that would be funny like what crazy crimes can happen with mm. gardening tools um and then we were on a we were on a woodland walk weren't we and we just we came up with the idea um well you did of um, Wimbledon and tennis and just how much fun that could actually be and also that we'd not really done a sporting uh, world in which we had played in with our uh, comedy shows and actually thought that was a really exciting new area to come up with ideas for. Uh, and yeah, because the thing about whodunits is, you know, once you've seen a whodunit, they do follow very similar patterns because yeah. it's an it's you know it's a formula that works so we're always looking for what's the new kind of um what's the new sandbox we can play in still doing yeah. a similar mm-hmm. sort of vibe and yeah sport came up and we thought oh tennis, we, tennis we, is great yeah we we both love sport we both love watching sport and we watch Wimbledon every year um and I think sometimes mix very very often uh, and we were I think this could be really mm. good fun so it was a podcast originally and Fergus and I in our spare bedroom um, with a, a duvet over a clothes era is how we created our sort of sound booth uh, we recorded um, all the characters ourselves that <laughs> yes you you know it well very yes. high spec <laughs> yeah. available at all good retailers yeah um, and that was that was really good fun. Pausing for when I don't know the neighbour's lawnmower or chainsaw was 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 going on, um, but it was um, it was just really good fun. And then life kind of opened back up again, and we just thought it was so much fun because we came up with the idea of having a barbershop quartet. Our um, sound designer who worked on the podcast with us, Fred Riding, he was really excited to come up with this um, barbershop idea. Um, we were like, that just sounds like so much fun. And the three of us kind of via Zoom calls, phone calls and WhatsApp, really, um, we we kind of recorded it all together uh, remotely and he sort of did his wonderful job of editing it all together and making it sound great and then we thought I think this could be a really fun show live on stage to kind of create in the flesh for people yeah I think what's you know what's amazing I think we've seen it more and more is is podcasts being turned into into live events and uh, it's great to hear that story and how that kind of tr- transition happens I mean just just going back to that point you made about sport doesn't really mix worlds with with theatre that often just from your kind of point of view being in in the theatre world why why do you think that is and when it came to kind of picking a sport was was tennis your your default go-to or did you kind of have a I don't know a list of sports that you thought about maybe this could apply to and then pick tennis out of it well taking them one at a time I think the like so many things I think the separation between kind of 
sport and theatre starts back at school where, you know, you're kind of artificially forced into groups of, oh, you're the arty kids, you're the sporty kids, or you're the clever kids, or, um, well, you know, we just, we love, we love to create um, boundaries in this country, don't we? And And try, little mini tribes. And that can be great, but it can also, you know, not be so good. Whereas I think both Heather and I found ourselves maybe straddling those little groups uh i i kind of had a, a set and again an arty set that you know i'd go to bath and meet and then i had i, I grew up playing rugby which would be out in a, a town out the, out out in the sort of countryside in midsummer norton and then at school i was an entirely different person again so i was going to split into three um and i think that's a similar thing for a lot of people in the arts in theater that it was an escape from um and i think i think the same is can be true in sport yeah. but it's it can be completely all consuming and so once you're in one of those tribes you know every waking hour is spent practicing keep yuppies or shooting free throws or uh learning lines doing plays painting sets whichever it is and it doesn't leave room for the other yeah um which i think is is why you end up with this um one or the other yeah this divide um and in terms of which sport i it was always tennis. It was I just think. always tennis, yeah. Um, I, I think we just thought, because it's been around for such a long time, it it really does appeal to a lot of ages. Well, crucially it, as well, the, the playing space of tennis, even though it's obviously courts are bigger than most of the stages we play, yeah. they're not that much bigger. Yeah, and I there. think because our casts are always casts of four, it again, it, and they're multi-roles they're, they're multi as well, so lots of the cast play lots of different people, it kind of felt like it wasn't a massive team sport where you mm. need seven per team or something. Um, so um, it also felt kind of achievable yep. within the worlds that we had kind of already made for ourselves from previous shows um we we just kind of thought oh yeah you can kind of play mm. singles and then you can you know possibly we could have a bit of a play with maybe a doubles and match I, or and you I know think also the other thing is and i don't think i necessarily thought that um at the time but thinking about it now i think tennis is is pretty inclusive there you know people there are some people that love football but there are also some people that really hate football and it completely turns them off mm. whereas like like wimbledon I genuinely think everybody in the country watches some of Wimbledon. Yeah. And it's just a nice little kind of, it's this nice little oasis of possibly slightly old fashioned, <laughs> you know, there's lots of rules and regulations and they all have to wear white and all of that. But it's actually quite comforting just to tap, mm. to tap into every, every summer. Yes. If you're not a <laughs> huge tennis fan to just say, okay, that's a thing. So I think it, we were confident most people would recognise what we were doing a bit of that world or, or you know even if you don't really follow tennis i think people have a, mm. a rough idea of of the game and, yeah. and i think also sort of think oh yeah it's um you know yes. purple and green colors and uh, strawberries and cream really uh, and i think people kind of sort of create that little yeah. uh, image in mm. their heads and i think are on board are on board with you quite quickly with that yes yeah it's interesting because i loved how it's, it's for me kind of listening to the show that the episodes I've listened to on the, on the podcast it feels kind of very tongue-in-cheek and I think tennis as a sport is sort of ripe given its sort of traditional backgrounds and you know the idea of royalty and as, as you kind of alluded to kind of the rules and, and regulations with you know it feels like so many traditions and I love how the podcast kind of takes all of that traditionalness that that sort of seriousness and kind of flips it on its head and takes it 
in a in its stride and as i said there's a bit more tongue-in-cheek and as a result it kind of opens out to lots of different audiences because you don't necessarily need to really understand tennis to really kind of immerse yourself into kind of the world you've created because it's such a it's so open and it's so playful i think and i think for me that's what kind of really stood out when when listening to it oh thank you well we certainly hope um you don't need to be yeah immersed in tennis we we both really enjoy tennis but neither of us kind of follow the tour beyond the slams um (laughs) but you know uh there are there are jokes in there for i say jokes that's always a worrying word to use. There are <laughs> hopefully Joe <laughs> references in there that tennis fans might may enjoy. Like for example, there's a coach um, called Ivan Borodil, which is an homage to Mr. Lendl. Um, and there's little little kind of half gags like that, which a tennis fan will just have a little knowing smile at, but mm. it won't affect the rest of the anyone that doesn't know. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we have a hothead American called John, and think just little little things oh okay i see what they're doing there and but it doesn't you don't need it if not on even it, though it's it say in the yeah. 40s we've got a kind of we've got a couple of hawkeye <laughs> gags and things um it won't hopefully isolate many people we kind of want everyone to sort of feel like you can understand yeah. a, a laugh from one level or another really i mean ultimately it's a game where you're trying to hit a ball and the other person doesn't hit it back so as long, yeah. as, as, long as they got that level of understanding of tennis i think they'll be all right <laughs> <laughs> and if they haven't they really have no pace being in the foot because tennis is such a, a global game and again i think what, what i loved about the show was uh, you know listening to it is the 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 array of characters and, and voices that you have and again i think tennis lends itself to that quite well because it's such a global game you know there's lots of people involved in it from lots of different um you know backgrounds and, and countries i mean just talking about how you kind of produced it and did that that setup with all those different voices because i'm speaking to you guys now and i'm just assuming all those voices are done between you two correct me if i'm wrong but how do you how do you go about kind of creating kind of a world for all of your all of your you know all of the listeners but doing it in a way that is practical and, and it's not kind of a you know a one for one situation like it is maybe in like our other mediums like in a, in film or TV. So yeah, on the podcast, it's just the two of us playing twenty something characters. Wow. Um, on the stage show, there's four actors playing that many, so they've got it easy. <laughs> but they do have to do their four part <laughs> the physical changing they of have to costumes. Do the physical costumes, and they also have to do four part harmony singing live. Which yeah. So you're giving we, them we pointers on how to do the voices. <laughs> Very much. No, we let them, we let them discover their own. Yeah. Uh, so basically, they, they sort of know whether if the characters, I don't know, Welsh. needing to be uh, Welsh or um, American or All those whatever. Famous Welsh tennis players. That <laughs> yeah, uh, but um, <laughs> we kind of allow them to try and find their own kind of accents with that um but we kind of try and give them a bit of a background on maybe some personality traits of maybe what this character Mm. might be a bit like yeah and also you know it's very much a comedy so for example we have serbian characters in the two a pair of serbs in the show um a first serb and a second serb why is that joke not in the show but they're just sort of generically eastern european i think if an actual serbian person came they might take umbrage with the accent yeah and likewise with certainly with the welsh accent if you're from the ronda valleys and you come and see but that's he's going all over wales so we're okay for them to be um a bit broad and when when we record it uh full disclosure is they quite often take a few takes and we do giggle quite a lot because 
when you're just sat alone in a I heard that I've I listened to the bloopers episode perfect there, <laughs> there we go that's our favorite episode and that yeah oh, oh, we just dropped the microphone so there's a blooper right there Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no we, we 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 love creating the voices and having we have a great time and it was during mm. lockdown it was a great thing for us to just come together and kind of scratch that performance itch and we were just thrilled that people seem to like it as much as yeah well i mean did, right uh, i'm also dyslexic so uh reading reading just off the page sometimes for me mm. i will insert an entirely new word that isn't even written in and what's front truly of me. fascinating is she can't hear it and i go <laughs> i didn't say that I forgot, you did you added i don't know machine <laughs> into that sentence and machine isn't in there heather i'm mm. like oh what okay i'll just do that again you really struggled with um uh, the one i remember from this show was the line something to do with his muscled flesh and you kept talking about his flesh flesh muscle (laughs) (laughs) he just really got the giggles um and then there was another one which was um a fury my foot hue and when that line is still in the uh play uh, the production uh but recording that I i couldn't get my mouth around it and i just i I got myself into a right state and pickle and then I just I just had to sometimes I had to ask Fergus to leave the room because we <laughs> I just needed to not have him by my side to just kind of almost not laugh and not find it funny anymore oh is that what that was I thought you, I thought you just needed some alone <laughs> yeah, time in lockdown just leave the room yeah uh, but it's uh, yeah it's 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 good fun it's been good fun to record what are some of your favourite voices? Because I, I feel like there are so many. I remember, I distinctly remember the, the Welsh one with the, the the kind of the R sounds kind of stood out for me. What were some of your favourite kind of voices to do? I love I love doing a Welsh accent. I do I do Welsh accents just around the house sometimes because <laughs> it's just fun. But I think my favourite to perform was um, was Helmut Hackenberg, the huge muscled Austrian chap who spoke a bit like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it was just quite <laughs> fun to do. I got to do some catchphrases and say things like i'm just off to the shower but wait here because i'll be back uh did you have any age put you on the spot uh, Heather's, is this maybe a podcast but she's gone absolutely bright red <laughs> um i i'm trying to think who uh i really liked being wendy wendy, oh, yeah, weaver. wendy weaver i really enjoyed sort of playing a bit of a, a deadpan kind of sort of voice um that was really good fun actually mm. i hadn't really done one like that before and that's what's really lovely a- about it is because you get to do so many takes you can try and say your lines a bit differently and be like, oh, actually I-, I kind of want to emphasize mm. this word in this sentence because that might make people think a bit differently about the story into who done it or maybe i can sort of make them think and put a red herring kind of question in with how that was delivered um yeah we but- try as best as possible to to keep it like to keep the podcast as live so we would do quite long takes but we would do we would allow ourselves yeah multiple takes if yeah if we felt like we wanted to just go again and yeah. kind of maybe put more of an emphasis on a certain moment but now coming to the step to the stage show with which is an all new cast heather and i um we're not touring it's all all new actors they get to bring their own kind of uh takes spins on those um which is fascinating some have come really close to the the voices and the kind of characterizations that yeah that we delivered on the podcast um but others have gone in whole new directions and what's really fascinating is um you know you've got a different obviously when i was imagining helmet i, I was imagining him with my face 
but now he's played by the amazing mm. Emile Clark, so he's got an entirely different face and yeah. voice. Uh, so. And how certain lines can just be delivered as well. There isn't just one way you can say something that, that is the way you want it to be meant. Uh, and that's just been fascinating, seeing someone else read and deliver those lines. And you kind of go, oh, yeah, that's a brilliant way of... Yeah, it's quite irritating when they're uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, that That's so much better. Uh, and that's that's just been beautiful, watching it go from podcast to play. Um, it's been it's been a really yeah really lovely journey to watch just talking about that that transition was that the kind of ultimate goal of it how did how did that come about I know we we, again we've we've seen you know more and more recently podcasting as a medium for storytelling which can be applied to you know tv or film or even in even theater how did that come about and you know what were the challenges I think going from an audio specific medium where you could you know record and edit you know as as as, as much as your uh, your heart desires to a stage where it's a live show involves more people how you know what were the challenges around that and how did it come about so in terms of how it came about we we absolutely when we were recording the podcast it was very much it was our way to stay connected we're very lucky we've built up um, we've been going since 2008 and we've there are people around the country um that are sort of invested in in new old friends and the work we create and the podcasts were absolutely just our way of staying connected to to mm, those and yeah. then then it grew from there and you know we're, we're hugely grateful for yeah like yourselves our international <laughs> listeners and all those sorts of things but it started <laughs> off as just a way of giving giving the audience something and for us it was a way of being staying creative in what was you know quite mm. a dark time for our industry lots of our friends were leaving the industry um, and, and you know it continues to be a a real a real challenge so for us it was very much a separate thing it you know there was never any thought that it would become a stage show but then as we sort of emerged from the lockdowns we um we finally toured the piece of theater that we were touring um when the theaters were closed down which was a huge sort of relief then we created a small studio show for christmas for christmas but that was used out of recycled sets um, recycled costumes. costumes everything was done as cheaply as we could because audiences still weren't um kind of quite coming back in the same way they were mm. and then we toured um an, an older show that we already had all of the sets and costumes again just kind of easing our way in and if we're completely honest we thought that was probably maybe going to be the way of it for quite a few years that we we're just gonna have to really tighten our belts but we were approached by the theatre royal in bath who um, wanted a show for their summer season and they suggested why not adapt one of the shows from the podcast and the clear choice was um, for us was Crimes on Centre Court and the reason it was a clear choice was because it was the most difficult to do um, and because for the work we do where it's just four actors playing lots of characters um, the joy is in for the audience is in large part them seeing us recognizing what the challenge is and seeing us overcome it so the idea of staging tennis matches on a stage in front of a live audience was something that really appealed to both of us Um, and then the way we solved it is we got people cleverer than us to come in and do things (laughs) yeah yeah we we had some days of uh, research and development on this script that that existed for the podcast uh, was then um, a few days at our um, we have a sort of a base in Wiltshire where we kind of 
rent a space from a farmer and we have this barn <laughs> where which um we we get to store all our sets in and there's a lovely space that we've um got to rehearse our shows in and we basically got some um other actors along that we've worked with in the past that know our work and know our world and we just started to play around with okay how how do we create a tennis match um on stage how can that be interesting to watch and how can it also maybe be funny what are the things that we can do what are the classic things that people associate with tennis and then it became just almost okay we're gonna bring buy a bag of tennis balls uh bring bring in some rackets uh bring in some old wooden rackets because the we always uh, set our comedy uh, crime shows in the 30s or 40s uh or 40s and it, it just became a really fun, fun yeah, so, world to play in instantly, and we thought, I think, I think this could be really good. So then once we have those ideas, the real crucial step is we bring in our creative team, who kind of just work absolute wonders. So that's our designer, set designer Cat Abbott, costume uh, Connie Watson, uh, the movement director Sam Archer. Those three really, in terms of the in tennis, the early days, in terms of for the tennis. Oh, there's, we've got lighting, George Seal, sound, Fred, music guy, Hughes. Uh, I'm forgetting. Probably not. I'm just, so, so, but those the three that I mentioned: the cost, set, costume, and then movement. Sam Archer. They really come together to create um, some quite sort of magical things. Really. So Sam's training. He's a dancer. He's a ballet dancer. At, for, and now, he, and he's also an actor. But before he came to rehearsals, he just watched loads and loads of tennis. And mm. he came. And the first thing he did was give the cast basically a tennis lesson you know he was having them sliding and reaching for forehands and (laughs) how to sort of serve how to serve slice backhands inside out forehands the whole thing just so they could get used to moving like tennis players and then from there he choreographed the matches and then once we could knew we could do like a tennis match that looked like a tennis match well then we started mucking around with it and seeing how you know what what fun we can have with putting slow-mo in ridiculous shots um the end, the final tennis match of the of the uh, play is one of the silliest things I think we've ever done, um, <laughs> uh, involving kind of human size puppets and uh, balls on sticks and real tennis being played, like actual serving into the wings, which is terrifying because if he gets it wrong and we hit an audience member, we're going to get sued and all. <laughs> yeah, right. Please aim for the curtains. Don't yeah. aim to the audience. No double faults, please. <laughs> uh, so yeah. But it's absolutely joy, and that's really the joy of the show. I think is that um, overcoming uh, the challenge of yeah. How are, you know the whole way through the audience? Uh, uh, hopefully, they're invested in the murder mystery side of things. Hopefully, they're laughing at the costume changes and the jokes. But there's always this sort of ticking away, going, "How are they going to do the tennis?" And then we do it one way, and they go, "Oh, okay, that's a nice simple way." But then we come back and we do it in a different way. Yeah. We do it four, three or four different ways. That was definitely something we wanted to do was we wanted to have multiple ways of playing with, with how, how we, yeah, with how to represent tennis matches and tennis moments on stage uh, to find out. Yeah. I think there is that magical element of theatre when you do go into a show and you think, how, how are they going to, you know, how are they going to do that? This was a, this was a podcast. This wasn't meant to be designed for theatre. And it's, it's great to hear that insight and in how you go about that, that transition and the detail you go into. And not every idea works. We have to say that. Uh, so at one point I was pressurizing Kat, mm. the designer, <laughs> um, 
and Becky, our fantastic production manager, I really wanted um, a four metres wide swing ball set that we could just put on the front of the stage and they could play swing ball. So the ball would fly out four metres over the audience and then back round to the other side of the stage. Um, but that was too dangerous. <laughs> Apparently that was, that was a step too far because, of course, any you'd have to hit the ball perfectly horizontal and nobody does that when they're playing swing ball. So, yeah, not every idea does... Uh, does make it the way to the stage but hopefully what we ended up with was still good fun and just talking about kind of podcast to theatre for people who go to it I mean is it something would you advise people to listen to the series first of all or go to the theatre cold as it were well how would you how would you approach going to see the show um do you know what I would say leave it up 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 to the individual really i mean i think if you if you want to know mm. who done it then i would wait and i would see the show first well i think if you've listened to the podcast and you enjoyed it you're going to enjoy the show yeah be- because they are different have, you don't need to have listened to the podcast and enjoy it. like if you if you if you're only hearing about it now and you're thinking mm. well, i might go yeah. and see that show i would see the show first and then listen to the podcast yeah Whereas if, if if you have seen the podcast, there's enough new stuff on stage that I think you could enjoy it. I, I just think, I mean, way. yeah, the podcast can give you the, the visual, but the the play is it, it's kind of I think you will then see what we have done to put it onto. Really brings it to life. Yeah, exactly. Put it it's onto the stage, sillier. and it is. It, it's so. <laughs> I mean, if you think it's silly in podcast, it is just a bit bonkers on stage. Um, but hopefully, <laughs> oh, I'm really, I'm really, really intrigued. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's a good fun night out, all being well for for whoever wants to go and see it. Uh, that's that's what we want to do the most and provide for our audience members is to provide a good night out, and hopefully they've had a laugh, uh, you know, and an evening out. And just talking about earlier, you spoke about the the barber shop element to the podcast because that was one of the things that stood out to me almost instantly when I, I started listening to the, the first episode this sort of acapella going on these little like almost like ad- advertising break segments what was the what was the inspiration behind that because for me that was like a genius sort of touch to to have in that really felt in keeping with the the, the tone and, and the theme and and is that going to be is, does that make an appearance as well in in theater is there a, is there a barbershop quartet on stage or how have you how have you kind of translated that into uh into the show so the idea it came from Fred Riding, our sound designer. We can take no credit. Yeah, um, he we basically came to him with the with the next idea for the next podcast, with it being Wimbledon, but we'll call it we'll, you know we'll create the world of Wimbledon, and he was like, oh great, do you know what? As soon as you say that, I, I, in my head I've just got barbershop quartet, and we went, oh right, I mean you know yeah. That is absolutely not what I had in my head. I had strawberries and cream, pims. <laughs> but but just how how wonderful. Um so we and how would that work remotely with two with actors. Two actors and you just being I mean we're not even we're not even a four uh creating a podcast and he he came up with this plan and then he went away and wrote the melody. Fergus then wrote the lyrics. And then we would, for the podcast, we'd record it line by line, line by and line. It was it all recorded, and Fred Fred sang as well. 
But then when we came to the stage show... We um, brought in our composer that we've worked with. um, and Guy Hughes. Guy Hughes. He said, do you know what? I love it. I'm going to create... Um, a barber shop for for the show as well. So the barber shop uh, is st- still exists, but the songs are different. And this is a classic example, I think, of where it's honouring what we did in the podcast, but for the stage show, it's something. It became something new throughout the you know because a stage mm. show takes months to come together, um, and so on stage we open with the hedges of Wombledon. So the four, the cast of four are dressed as hedges and it is every bit as ridiculous as that sounds. <laughs> um, and they, they sing, they, they, the, the hedges of Wombledon tell the, tell the story. They're sort of the narrator, if you like, of the story. It's their world. Yes. But it's all in these tight four part harmonies. And there is, there's acapella on stage. There's, um, there is some support as well, some music support around it, but there are acapella sections, um, but they've genuinely learnt four-part harmonies whilst dressed as hedges. Um, and when when we told them that was what was happening, luckily they're all friends of ours and they trusted us enough. But it was one of those moments where opening up. So the show, we've already done the show for a week in Bath earlier in the summer and now it's going out on tour in the autumn. But before we opened it in Bath, it was definitely one of those moments when before the curtain goes up and you, we know that the first thing the audience are going to encounter is four actors dressed as hedges <laughs> singing four-part harmony about tennis it's like have we completely like, lost the plot it's a big leap please please jump with us um you will be fine but it, it is sort of one of those things where you just think yeah yeah will they jump with us yeah, i'm sure they will and they the did charismatic they enough yeah, and talented no, enough that it, the audience trusted them and went with it and Luckily, like I say, it's they, been they got really on board. well received. Yes. <laughs> it was quite a swing. So now we have uh, a quartet of hedges. Yeah. I mean, you speak about you've you've had preview shows already. The tour is coming up majority over the autumn from September. I mean, what was the what were your feelings kind of going into those those preview shows in in Bath, and what's the the reaction been like from the the community and from the the watchers having gone to see it? We're pretty nervous, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. What was it? The hedges. <laughs> I mean, the hedges largely that about the hedges. Large, largely. <laughs> the hedges. The the potential for maiming audience members with tennis balls. No, we, it was because of coming out of where we'd come out of and where the industry was and still is. Um, this was a this was a pretty mm. big risk for us as a company. Making a brand new show at this time wasn't part of our kind of plan, and it to be to be honest, it wasn't sensible. But we just thought how often is this opportunity going to come around again because of the way the industry is we're a, you know it's just heather and i we're a husband and wife team running this company these opportunities to create these shows they're not guaranteed so we thought well if we're going to go out we might as well go out swinging um so we pushed all our chips into the middle of the table to mix my metaphors um and put on this this show and then just hoped the audiences would come um and in, and then that those audiences would enjoy it and tell their friends and thankfully that opening night in bath hearing they did that yeah, yeah hundreds of people laughing the way they were like, oh my gosh the waves of relief yeah um and then the show got better throughout the week as well because shows do that you know co- particularly comedies you need the cast to understand where certain laughs are and they can stretch certain laughs and other bits need to get filleted down and then you know we get to go back into rehearsals and kind of take what we've learnt from Bath, which was glorious, and we get two weeks to kind of tighten it up even further before heading mm. out in September. Mm. Um, 
and we're just so excited and it looks like touch wood we've we've got away with it we still need people to you know buy those tickets support your local theatres even if you don't buy a ticket for us buy a ticket for something um but uh it's it looks like we've sort of the the risk has paid off and i think it's probably one of the things we're most proud of yeah um in our 14 years of making theatre right yeah definitely definitely we we're, yeah, we're very proud of this show. It's been there's been a lot of love and laughter put into it, and we just hope that um, our, our audiences, with with yeah, this new this new tour and new show going up and down the country, will kind of agree with us. Okay, my final question then is it is it bittersweet in the sense that you put this together, you started it, you did all the the voices yourself, and then you've obviously handed it over to you know your creative team and four actors to put together is there a bit of you that's like oh, i wish i wish i was on that stage or what was the what was there it was it more of a practical decision now joel you've you've very much hit a nerve here. <laughs> <laughs> um oh really okay is this the, is this the demise of new old friends have i just if i just stumbled upon pandora's box this 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 is our this is our dark and dirty secret. We love our casts, but we secretly uh, want to replace them with ourselves. <laughs> no, no. Um, we do. You know what we? Um, there, there's there is a massive part that would just love to to do this on stage and to you know share the reaction with the audiences. This is our um, first. This is the first new show that we haven't toured. Yeah. Um, but we are at home at the moment. We um, we had a baby at the end of last year. That was the other thing um, we did in lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> and congratulations. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, so life is um, we we are we are very happily grounded at home at the moment, um, and I think that will change in the future. But well, I, we're happy. <laughs> I, I I especially <laughs> I especially have just said that I'm just going to sort of uh, just at home um with our baby and yeah just enjoy the early years with her um but uh, there is a i i absolutely adore watching it from the sidelines i go into rehearsals um with our baby and uh she's been wonderful um watching and enjoying and bouncing around now uh watching everybody and to be a part of that's just been so lovely and i i, I feel very lucky that we've been in able fairness, to in do rehearsals that. she wasn't a fan of the hedge people so don't bring any three month old <laughs> yeah. to the show she found um, it quite scary uh, but once, once she heard them sing she absolutely Absolutely, um, was mesmerised by them, but uh, yeah, there's a massive part of us that would would love to to be out there and join them. But for the moment, um, that's that's the decision that we we've made, and we we are so happy to kind of be on the sidelines, still creating it and still being a part of it um, in, in our world that we have created uh, with 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 the hope that hopefully not in the near too distant future we will be able to kind of return and, and share live uh, performances with our audiences again but there is a little part of us that would just yeah love love to be doing it ourselves also this way but we love our but we do sorry i must just say we do love our cast that are doing it at the moment we couldn't be happier with them they are fantastic and this way if it goes really well and they get lots of laughs well we can go well that's fine we we created that <laughs> and if it doesn't get lots of laughs we can turn to each other and say well do you know what we we would have got the laughs <laughs> so yeah. oh fair guess. that is very true <laughs> that's very true 
<laughs> well, I've got a question for you. This is a listener question. We had Jill reach out to the podcast on email and ask us this. And it kind of is to do with the, the cast. So I'm just going to say it. So the question we got asked uh, to ask you guys was, if you had the opportunity to cast someone from the world of Hollywood in Crimes on Centre Court, who would it be and why? Oh, that's such a good question. I mean... I'd quite like to cast Chris Hemsworth as anything, just so I can touch him and see if he is <laughs> as firm as he looks. Um, um, but that's a bit creepy. Um, uh, who well, would or who would be? Okay, well, we we definitely we cast Arnie for Arnie would helmet. have to He'd be have, helmet. We couldn't, yeah, not. yeah. Just have to have an an aged helmet. Yeah. Um, and maybe Taron Egerton would do because uh, he's a gymnast. I think he'd get he's got the physical stuff, or or maybe like a Lee Evans. Um, just because there's I'm a lot thinking of who would be who would be Penny Pink? Oh yeah, someone like someone glam like Scarlett Johansson or, or like, um, Anne Hathaway. Naomi. Um... Naomi Harris. Yeah. Oh yeah 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 yeah. I feel like this could be your pitch to Hollywood. You know, first it was a podcast, second it was a theatre production, third step is is Hollywood, right? Yes. Yeah. Watch this space. <laughs> well, look, we've seen we've seen the numbers for Tennis Weekly. We know there's a lot of American listeners, so maybe there's some on the West Coast, in and around Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, we're going to now go and write to some agents in Hollywood and see and see what they think. <laughs> yeah. But if the film gets made, we're definitely going to be in it, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a great question. As extras or as the main main stars? Probably just as like a I'll, ball boy yeah, in I'll, the background. I'll play a ball. I don't mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just give me a green screen it up. Just my head. Bouncing yeah. between brackets. <laughs> as Chris Hemsworth and uh, Naomi Harris have a rally. And yeah, final final question. Uh, this is a question we ask all of our guests on Tennis Weekly at Tennis Weekly HQ. Kim, is my co-host, is absolutely obsessed with her tea. And we have to ask all our guests, how do you take your tea, your cup of tea... What's your what's your team going like? What's your tea routine? Do you even drink tea? Are you more of a coffee person? We have to ask it to all our guests. So I'd love to know what's your what's your team game tea game. So uh, because I'm a terrible pun heavy uh, comedy writer, if somebody asks me how I take my tea, oh. I have to reply orally um, oh, because God. that's just the rules. <laughs> but oh, I know no. Q groan. Oh. <laughs> But I, I sadly will tap out of this because I am not. I, uh, I I'm not. A, I'm a black coffee t- drinker. So I, I'm hand over. To I H. know, just terrible. You're missing out on so much. Fun. It's a whole world I of British. I absolutely love me. tea, um, and I. Okay, so what I do? <laughs> okay, strapping okay, guys. Strapping. Here we go. If this feels like a new. It could be a new, whole new episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to have to press record again. Tea um, weekly meets. Okay, so boil the kettle, obviously, and then um, tea bag in um, and water on, and then I will probably bash it around with a spoon for quite a while because I like it quite strong. And then I'll squeeze the tea bag along the side. Woe with, betide with you if you spoon. don't squeeze that tea bag. So there's not, there's no, there's no moisture, there's no water left in the tea bag. Then discard that, pop that in the compost bin, and then a medium dash of semi-skim milk at the moment. That's that's kind of yeah, fairly strong cup of tea. I I, I quite like. What's your tea bag of choice? Yorkshire change, York, changed over lockdown, right? York, Yorkshire tea. Yeah. It's got. I, I used to like PG Tips, but I, I've just since being pregnant. Actually, last year, um, I went 
to decaf for a while and I absolutely fell in. I mean, I've always loved Yorkshire tea and basically I've kind of not gone back. I just thought I'm just going to pay that little bit extra because I just absolutely love Yorkshire tea. Yorkshire tea more expensive? It is a little bit more. Oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it is. But yeah, Yorkshire tea through and through now. Okay, well, I'll let I'll let Kim know. I don't know if she's gonna I hope I've not shake her head in approval or disappointment, but uh, I can I can let you know. But um, it's been great having you on the show to talk about crimes on Centre Court. Uh, for any of our listeners who have, have been hearing about the show, want to go see it or, or listen to it, I understand it's touring this autumn across the the UK, September, October, and November. Is that is that correct? That's right. Yeah. So it starts off. Yeah, in uh, on the 9th of September, and it's on pretty much it's on most nights somewhere until the 20th of November. Um, you can find all the details on newoldfriends.co.uk. Um, and for, you know, for international listeners, hop on a plane, come on over. No, <laughs> for international listeners, the, the podcast is still up there. So not just Centre Court. I think there's six stories there's in total. six stories and that's under the umbrella of comedy whodunits for your ears and you will find uh, Crimes on Centre Court I think was the third uh, in, in the be, series. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're all So wherever you get your podcasts there. and wherever you are whenever you are wherever you get your podcasts head over to te- the Tennis Weekly one even though you've already subscribed hit that five star button we'll do it for you Joel because we know about building podcasts hit that you don't need to leave the review just click five stars. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I didn't even have to say anything. Um, but yes, listeners, uh, listeners, we'll make sure to put all those links in the description. If you're interested in going to see Crimes on Centre Court, I thoroughly recommend it. Me and Kim have got our tickets to the Guildford show. So we're really, really looking forward to it. And we uh, encourage you to do the same. But for now, um, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to come onto the show this evening. It's been really, really wonderful having you on, talking about theatre, taking a bit of a bit of a different, uh, you know, flex into the world of tennis. But yeah, it's been really, really entertaining. Thank oh, you so thank much you. for having thank us. Thank you so much for having us. Lovely to speak to you. Yeah, likewise. And congrats on what you've built. It's great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, listeners, remember to subscribe to Tennis Weekly on whatever device you listen to us on. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there. You can also listen to us on the DownloadTennis.com app. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Tennis Weekly Pod. You can also email the show tennisweeklypod at gmail.com or check out our website www.tennisweekly.co.uk and we will be back next Monday at Tennis Weekly HQ for our latest tour catch-up. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from me and we'll see you again soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.